Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John speaks from the subject of Hope Despite the Headlines. And now, here is Pastor John Butler with today's message. 42nd Psalm. Second Psalm. <clears throat> Though the entire psalm is appropriate and is, and is a great, great uh, word today, I want to focus on verse number five. Verse number five, reading from the New Living Translation, it says, Why am I so discouraged? King James says, why so downcast, O my soul? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, we we put our hope in You today. God, I thank You that despite the the circumstances of our lives, whether it's something going on in the world or in, in the community, whether there's just something going on in our individual lives, Lord, that I thank you that your word promises that, that we can always put our hope in you. So, Lord, I pray that today that you would illuminate our hearts and minds. Give us, give us minds that understand. And, Lord, give us wills that are, that, that, are, that are intending to apply the truth of your word today. And I pray that you would help us to not just be hearers of your word, memorizers of your word, quoters of your word, Lord, help us to be doers, doers of your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today I'm going to do something a little unusual for me. I have always been hesitant to use the pulpit to uh, respond to current events uh, because at the rate our world is changing uh, and and as fast as things are happening, I'd never have time for anything else. Uh, it's my opinion that if we're well grounded in the truth of the Word of God, that we'll always be well equipped to deal with the things that we face on a daily basis. But this week uh, was particularly troubling, uh, and even though that we are still several days removed from, from some of these events, they're still on our hearts and our minds, uh, on, the, on the peoples uh, of, of, all, of all houses of worship all over the country, and certainly including this one. And so I want to take some time and and try to shed some light on it. The word of the Lord that we just read says, sometimes sometimes we feel like the psalmist in in Psalm 42, don't we? We feel downcast, we feel feel sad, we find ourselves discouraged, heavy-hearted, weary. See, most people are up for a fight or two, right? We're we're good for a good fight every once in a while, but, but when it seems like we're in a knockdown drag out, Day after day after day, it's easy to despair and it's easy to wonder, is there any source of comfort and strength? Is there anywhere that we can turn for relief from the headlines that rock our world week after week? And so the psalmist asks those same questions to himself because, listen, 21st century America is not the source of all trouble. There has always been trouble as long as there's been more than one person on the earth. Amen? And so the psalmist asks those questions, 
And then he answered them himself. He said, I will put my hope in God because he is our strength. He is our strong tower. He is our shield and our shelter. He is our peace. So no matter what the headlines say, and no matter how shaky the ground feels beneath us, and no matter how fast the morals and trends of our society shift, God is the solid rock on which we build our lives. And despite the headlines, we can always find hope in God, the one who never changes. And so if it's okay today, I just want to remind you of some things. I don't think there's, I'll say anything today that you haven't heard of before. But sometimes we need to be reminded of the things that we already know. Amen? We have to be reminded in those situations of our lives. And so I want to do that today and and, and hopefully remind you of some things that will help you navigate the kinds of situations we've faced this week. So here's three spiritual truths from the Word. Again, not astounding, nothing nothing that you've never heard before, but these are earth-shattering earth-shattering spiritual truths. And here's the first one. Jesus still speaks. Jesus still speaks. Earlier this week, somebody um, who used to work in the White House said that Vice President Mike Pence was extreme in his Christian faith. And as evidence of his extremism, she went on to say, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, but he thinks Jesus tells him to say things. (laughs) She was not being uh, complimentary, by the way. She meant it as a criticism and a warning of his disturbingly extreme views. Then Joy Behar, uh, who is uh, supposed to be a comedian uh, on the talk show The The View, added her two cents worth. She said, it's one thing to talk about Jesus, or to talk to Jesus. It's another thing when Jesus talks to you. That's called mental illness if I'm not correct, hearing voices. So, so just for the record, Joy Behar, who is Jewish, and uh, this lady named Omarosa, who claims to be Christian, believes that hearing from God is the equivalence of mental illness, of a mentally ill person uh, hearing voices. If, if you're not strong in your faith in the society in which we live, it might make you question whether or not you, you should even believe that we can hear from God today. Or at the very least, it may make you feel uncomfortable because you believe that. Well, let me encourage you this morning from the Scripture. One of the most outstanding features of God in His Word is His voice. As a matter of fact, His voice is featured in the third verse of the first chapter of the first book in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, just the third verse in, it says, Then God said, Let there be light. He said it. God said, Let there be light. He didn't just think it. He didn't just imagine it. He didn't just write a note or press a button. He spoke it. God has a voice, and with that voice, He created everything in the universe. So if you don't believe that God has a voice, then you don't believe the Bible. Because the Bible, it says, is God-breathed. I want to show you this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. All Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed. And is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Verse 17, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped 
for every good work. Listen, what, when does breath come out your mouth? When you speak, right? When you speak. God spoke His Word into the minds of the writers, and, and, he, and they in turn wrote that Word down for us. It is God breathed because God spoke it into existence. It is the Word, the Word of God. Let me show you this in Psalm 29. Look at this. The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a wild young ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning, the voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forest bare. In His, in, in his temple, everyone shouts glory. God has a voice. And just as it has spoken to men and women of faith down through the ages, God's voice still speaks to us today. Now, the talking heads seem particularly disturbed at the notion of not just the voice of God, but in particular, the voice of Jesus. Now, they had no problem when just a couple of months ago, Oprah said that she had not heard God tell her to run for president, and until she did, she wasn't. They had no problems with that. They have no problems when people say the universe spoke to them and told them to do things. But, but when the vice president thinks he heard the voice of Jesus, they've lost their minds. Why do you think that is? It's because they think he's dead. They think he's dead. Why do they think he's dead? Because everyone else who is worshipped as God or who is considered the founder of a religion is dead. You can go to the tomb of Muhammad. You can go to the tomb of Siddhartha, the founder of Buddhism. You can go to the tomb of Zoroaster or John Smith and every other founder of every other religion in the world. And when you do, you'll understand why people don't expect to hear the voices of those people. Because they're right there in the grave. They're dead. But when you go to the tomb of Jesus in Jerusalem, you will find that it is empty because He is risen just as He said He was. So it's no wonder that Jesus speaks. He's alive and well. Dead people don't speak, but live people do. And Jesus is alive. See, He, he is the God who spoke all things into existence. He cannot help but speak because He is the living Word. And, and, and though he's no longer walking the earth, he has not lost his voice. His word still speaks. His spirit still speaks, leading us and guiding us to truth, revealing his will. So yes, when Vice President Pence or you or I call on the name of the Lord, he not only hears us, but he answers us. Look at Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3. Ask me, the Lord says, and I will tell you remarkable secrets that you don't know about things to come. Call on me and I will answer you, the Lord says. I got in the car this week 
to take our four-year-old to, to uh, school. And he said, he says a lot of things. I ain't going to tell you everything he says. But he says, he said, I, I, I love to play with this walkie-talkie. And so I, I looked at it, and it's a plastic walkie-talkie. There's no batteries. There's no, no, it's, a, it's a toy walkie-talkie. But it struck me as odd because he only has one. So it might have been a walkie, but it was not a talkie. Because <laughs> there's no talkie on the other end. Okay? And I thought, this is just like the world. This, how foolish can you be? Because as soon as something bad happens to somebody they care about, they immediately ask people for prayer, right? Please pray. They want us to talk to God on their behalf, but the moment He speaks back to us, we're crazy. I think they're the crazy ones. They're as foolish as a four-year-old who only plays with one walkie-talkie. They're participating in a one-way conversation, never expecting to hear a reply. So if they're talking to... Who are you talking to if they're not going to talk back? Listen, I know there's a lot of voices vying for our attention. And I, and I know that not everybody who claims to hear from Jesus actually hears from Jesus. But to dismiss the possibility of hearing from Him is not just ignorant, it's disrespectful and dangerous. Now there's two scriptures that really tell the tale as to why Joy Behar or Omarosa or, or, or the countless other people in our nation who, th who think it's so ludicrous to hear the voice of Jesus. There's two scriptures that I want to show you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. The reason that, that Joy Behar has never heard the word of Jesus is because she doesn't belong to Jesus. If she knew Him, she would hear Him and know His voice and follow Him wherever He said to go. But she doesn't because her mind has not been redeemed. Her eyes have not been opened. She, it's still foolishness to her. So listen, don't expect the world to confirm your faith. They cannot confirm your faith. It's not possible. But if you're a follower of Jesus, if you know Him and He knows you, when your path gets dark or your road gets difficult, or your heart gets heavy and your hopes get dim, then you can call upon the name of the Lord and He will answer you. Despite the headlines, we can have hope because Jesus still speaks. Amen? Here's the second spiritual truth that, that should rock our world. Not only does Jesus still speak, but the Spirit still comforts. The Spirit still comforts. I want to show you two scriptures from the 21st century King James. In John, I believe it's chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. And I will pray the Father, this is Jesus speaking, I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, another comforter, that He may abide with you 
forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it, see, it, it sees Him not, neither knows Him, for, he, for, for you know Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and shall be in you. And look at verse 7, 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son, capital S, is given. The government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Jesus said he had to go away because his work on earth was about to end. But he said, I'm going to send you another one, another one just like me. In other words, everything that I have been to you on this earth, He will be to you. The Holy Spirit will be to you. Isaiah said that Jesus would be our counselor and our prince of peace. So when we go through troubles, we have the Holy Spirit who gives us comfort and gives us advice and gives us wisdom and gives us direction and ultimately gives us the peace of God. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Now, like most of you, I was heartbroken this week by the shooting at the Florida high school that left 17 dead and, and, and many others wounded. As a parent, as a former educator, it wasn't hard for me to put myself in the place of those who had lost a child or who lost a student or who were called upon to give their lives to save others. As a father of a police officer, I feel, I feel for the first responders who had to who had to respond to that tragedy. What they saw and what they experienced on that day will be carved into their memories forever. As a foster parent, I understand the impact of trauma on a child's development. And I'm frustrated that there's not a better mental health system in place that that perhaps could have saved this shooter and saved the lives of every one of his victims. See, I woke up Thursday morning with this all-too-familiar feeling, that pit in your stomach, the sorrow that, that laid on you like a wet blanket, that vague wish that it was just a nightmare or that maybe it was not as bad as initially thought, you know, that helpless feeling that the world had just changed again and not for the better. I felt that feeling in... 1986, when the Space Shuttle Challenger exploded. Felt it in 1999, when I was an educator um, and, and at the Columbine Massacre. Felt it again on 9-11. Sandy Hook, Katrina, the Colorado movie theater shooting in 2012, the tsunami, Charleston and Texas church shootings. These kinds of things used to be once or twice in a generation. And now it seems like they happen every week. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm not going to leave you to deal with this world alone. See, even in the midst of tragedy, even in the midst of of, of unspeakable pain, even with conflicting political views, even with complicated problems that seem to escape solutions, 
Jesus said you'll never be without a source of comfort. And that comfort will not come from a politician. It won't come from a news anchor. And even while everything's in chaos, there is a source of comfort that defies our emotions. There is a peace that surpasses our ability to comprehend. The Holy Spirit of God is our counselor. He speaks past our ears and directly into our hearts. As deep calls out to deep, so God answers back in the deepest part of our souls. He intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray for ourselves or anybody else. He helps us when we can't help ourselves. Just as Jesus was there for those who followed Him on this earth, so the Holy Spirit is here for us when we need Him, even in the moments of greatest tragedy. But we can never take comfort, or we can never comfort others unless we ourselves have been comforted. So we have to be the first partakers of the peace and the hope that we have in the Holy Spirit. We have to partake of that first. So we have to pray long enough to escape our own emotions and our own feelings and our own opinions. And it won't come naturally. But we have to choose to walk in the Spirit over the flesh. We, our, our carnal minds are never going to leave us, lead us to godliness. We have to have our minds renewed by the Word and the Spirit of God. We can't demonstrate the character and the nature of Jesus unless we're willing to think differently than everybody else. Not that we ignore the circumstances. It's just that we refuse to be defined by the circumstances. Let me show you what Paul said about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7-10. through 10. He said, We now have this light, this light of the gospel, shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. I felt like a jar of clay on Wednesday and Thursday as the news was coming in. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Paul said we're pressed on every side by trouble, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, we're confused, but we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Tragedies like this week's gives us the opportunity to shine the light of Jesus and to share the hope that His Spirit provides. But listen, not in a way that's dismissive. Not in a way that, that's cheesy. That we use just little, these little cheesy cliches and, and we manufacture this artificial happiness. We speak into the darkness with real joy and real peace. That comes from knowing that even when we don't understand, God's still with us and He'll never let us go. We can pray for those families and for those students, and for those first responders, and for that community. We can pray for and support our own schools, and our own teachers, and our own students, and our own leaders. We can pray that the God of love, and the Prince of Peace, 
And the Spirit of comfort would make Himself known through His people and by His power. The, the headlines may have left us feeling helpless and hopeless, but we can find our hope in God because His Spirit still comforts those who mourn. And here's the last spiritual truth that, that I've turned to this week that we can build our lives on. Not only does Jesus still speak and not only does His Spirit still comfort, but God still saves. God still saves. The more you watch the news or read the news or however it is that you get it, the easier it is to lose hope for this world. To lose hope for the world. To just wash your hands of it and just say, I give up. I give up. So much anger, so much hatred, so much violence, so much pain and hunger and disease and heartache. We seem to have lost common sense and common decency and common ground. It seems as if this world has finally gone too far. But it was into a culture just like this that the word of the Lord came to Isaiah in chapter 59. And I want you to see this beginning in verse 2. The word of the Lord says, It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, He's turned away and will not listen anymore. Your hands are the hands of murderers, and your fingers are filthy with sin. Your lips are full of lies, and your mouth spews corruption. No one cares about being fair and honest. The people's lawsuits are based on lies. They conceive evil deeds and then give birth to sin. Verse 7 says their feet run to do evil. They rush to commit murder. They think only about sinning. Misery and destruction always follow them. Verses 9 and 10, So there's no justice among us, and we know nothing about living right. We look for light, but we only find darkness. We look for bright skies, but we walk in gloom. We grope like the blind along a wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. Even at brightest noontime, we stumble as though it were dark. Among the living, we are like the dead. If that doesn't sound like us today, I don't know what does. But he wasn't talking about 21st century America. It was Judah, the nation of Judah, six centuries before Christ was born. The culture was rotten to the core. Though it had known God and served God at one time in the past, it was far away from Him now. The political and religious institutions were corrupt. Their family units were disintegrating. Their social justice was non-existent. It would be easy to blame God and believe that He was no longer the God He used to be. That if God had ever been in control, He certainly had lost it now. But I want you to look at what the prophet said in the first verse. Before we read, we started reading in verse 2. I want you to read what he said at the very beginning of the chapter. Isaiah 59 and verse 1. He said, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is His ear too deaf to hear you call. Isaiah looked at the corroding culture 
and the sinful society, and he cut through all the nonsense with a message that still reverberates today. It's a message that we cannot afford to forget. That though he existed since eternity past, God is not growing weaker, nor can he grow stronger. His arm is not weak, and his ear is not deaf. He has all power, and he has all strength, and he has all dominion. There is nothing that he cannot do. All things with God are possible. See, there is no chain of sin that's so strong that God is not stronger still. There's no, there's no pain that's so great that his love is not strong enough to heal it. And there's no culture, there's no society, no nation that's so far gone that God can't save them. So even in the midst of chaos and conflict, even in the midst of violence and anger, in the midst of pain and tragedy, the voice of the Lord is still crying out across, to, across the land, if you'll call to me, I will hear you. If you'll reach out to me, I will save you. We have got to carry the message to a hurting world that God still saves. He still wants to heal. He still wants to forgive. He still wants to restore. He still wants to exalt a nation whose God is the Lord. He, but there's, there's a price that has to be paid. There's a key that has to be turned. And the key is repentance and prayer. We must intercede for our nation because if we don't, who's going to do it? We have to intercede for our communities, for our neighbors. It's up to the church to act because the world will never do it because they can't do it. It's up to us. So that's why God said in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. God's people turn from their wicked ways. I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and I'll restore their land. There is hope for America today. There is hope for this world today despite the headlines. If God's people will pray. I want you to stand with me today. Let me ask you this question. Will you be part of the solution? I mean, think of it. Don't, don't, don't answer too quickly. Will you be part of the solution? Will you be part of the healing? Will you be part of the comfort? Will you share the gospel with a lost and dying world? Will you be part of the revival that God wants to pour out in this land? If you will, it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. This is, this is how I feel like we should end this message today. Listen, there is hope. There is always hope, no matter what the headlines say. No matter what your emotions say. No matter what your heart tells you. Because your heart... The Bible says it's deceitful above all things. So push past your feelings and your emotions and your despair and your grief and all of the stuff 
that weighs us down and stand on, build your life on, build your attitude and your outlook on the one thing that never changes, and that's the Word of God. And then do the only thing that nobody else can't do, and that's pray. And so I'm going to invite you to come to this altar. I want you to come and pray. The only thing we can do is pray. And that's not the bad news, that's the good news. Because it's not just the only thing or the last thing, it's the best thing and the greatest thing and the most powerful thing that we can do. Because we'll probably never put our arms around the parents that lost a child this week in Florida. We'll probably never meet them. But the Holy Spirit can wrap His arms around them right now, hundreds of miles away. Jesus sent the Word and healed somebody. So it's not about proximity, it's about power. And power. there's power in the name of Jesus. And that's the authority by which we pray. So I'm going to ask you to just come to the altar. I'm not going to pray because that's what we're fixing to do. I'm going to ask you to come to the altar. Or at the very least, turn and make a, an altar in your chair. Or if, you, if you've got physical problems and you can't kneel or bow or whatever, then just, just stay there in your seat. Stay standing. Come to the altar and stand. I don't care what you do, but let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray, church. Let's pray, church. We pray that you've been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast with Pastor John Butler. You can hear today's message in its entirety by visiting our website at covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.